This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Hey, look at that calendar. Getting ever closer to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, hmm? Well, tonight, our first show will take us back 132 years as we have another visit from Sherlock Holmes, and we listen in as Dr. Watson relates a Christmas story that dates back to 1886. So snuggle up, let your minds go back to the days of the chimney sweep and all the lamps in London being tended to by the old lamplighter. Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And now I'm sure our good friend Dr. Watson's waiting for us, so let's go in and join him. Come in, come in, come in. Ah, there you are, Mr. Bartell. Oh, say, Doctor, I can see you're going to have yourself quite a Christmas. Big tree in the corner with colored lights on it. Where'd you get those? Table covered with presents? You must be mighty popular. Oh, they aren't all for me, my boy. You see, I'm having a Christmas party tomorrow for my housekeeper's little nieces. Oh. I'm going to dress up as Santa Claus for them. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you look very convincing in the part. Oh, by the way, Doctor, I... uh, I brought you a little present. Here it is. I hope you'll like it. <laughs> I've got one for you, too. Oh, you you uh, mustn't open it until tomorrow. Here, here you are, my boy. Thanks a lot, Doctor. And uh, now, how's about tonight's story? Last week, you told us you'd chosen an adventure with a lot of Christmassy atmosphere. Yes, Mr. Bartell. My story begins on another Christmas Eve many, many years ago. To be exact, in 1886 time the adventure occurred, I must confess I didn't quite understand what was going on myself. In fact, I never did uh, quite make head or tails of it until, until Holmes took pity on me later and explained the, the whole thing. But I shan't try to confuse you, Mr. Bartell. I'll tell you the story exactly as it happened. You're right you are, Doctor. Let's go. Very well. On that Christmas Eve in 86, I'm standing in our Baker Street rooms, dressed in the costume of uh, Santa Claus. Holmes, his long, thin fingers pressed together, lay back in an armchair and gazed at me quizzically, while our housekeeper, Mrs. Hudson, stood by the door and... Uh... Dr. Watson, you make a grand Santa Claus. <laughs> Doesn't he, Mrs. Hudson? Try the beard on, Watson, old chap. I'm afraid this is getting a little uncomfortable. Uh, uh, how, how does it look? Oh, you look just like the old man on the Christmas cards, Doctor. <laughs> yes, Watson. 
It really becomes you. <laughs> the cheery twinkle of the eyes, the ruddy complexion, and the uh, the appropriate girth. What a shame we can't obtain some snow on a sleigh and reindeer for you. However, I'm sure Mrs. Hudson's nieces will be very much impressed. Well, they will that, sir. And it's very kind of you, Doctor, to offer to come over to their house with me. With her father in the hospital and my sister at his bedside, it would have been a very miserable Christmas without me. Oh, I can enjoy myself, but I think I'll take this beard off before we get there. That's it. Are you ready to leave, Mrs. Hudson? I am, sir. Uh, Will I get a cab? How far do we have to go? Oh, Lexington Gardens, number 28. It's just off the Edgeway Road, Doctor. Not far, but bearing in mind my costume, I suppose we'd better take a cab. Aye, sir. I'll get one. Holmes, what are you going to do with yourself? I hate leaving you alone on Christmas Eve. Oh, don't worry, old chap. I shall spend a profitable evening writing on my new monograph. What's this one about? An analysis of teeth marks on pipe stems, with particular regard to indicated character. Gracious me, how exciting. Well... I must be going. <laughs> Don't forget your sack of presents, old fellow. No, no, no. no. Uh, when you come to distribute them, you will find that I took the liberty of adding a few trinkets on my own behalf. Oh, that's very thoughtful of you, Holmes. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Holmes, but there's a gentleman to see you. Says he's an old friend of yours. Here's his card, sir. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's old Whittacombe. Splendid. Ask him to come up, please, Mrs. Hudson. All right, sir. And I hope your party is a great success, Mrs. Hudson. Well, thank you, sir. Are you sure you don't want me to stay now that you have a visitor? Oh, no, 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 no. Indeed, no, Mrs. Hudson. I can show the gentleman out myself. You go off and have a good time. Thank you, sir. Well, I wonder what Lord William wants. Perhaps I should stay. No, no, please, a... my dear fellow. Certainly not. Yeah? yeah, you've far more important work to do. Whittacombe probably wants his revenge at chess or something equally innocuous. Off with you, my dear fellow, and enjoy yourself. Oh, I'm going to go. Just the same, I wish you were coming with me. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. I shall be there. Uh, come on up, Whittacombe. Hello, Holmes. Oh, evening, Watson. You make a very convincing Santa Claus. Are you leaving? I'm afraid so, Whittacombe. Well, good night, then. Uh, good night, good night. How are you, Holmes? All alone on Christmas Eve, <laughs> eh? <laughs> yes, Whittacombe, I'm glad you came over to see me. Mm-hmm. What's it to be, an evening of chess, or have you unearthed some recent treasure of medieval pottery that we can discuss? Neither, Holmes. I come to you in your professional capacity. I... I need help. Oh, 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 come now, Whittacombe. Don't tell me that after all these years of quiet friendship, you're going to become a client. <laughs> I'm afraid so, Holmes. Though I doubt if my problem will, problem will interest you very much. It's hardly up to your uh, uh, rather colorful standards. Uh, care for a cigar? Oh, thanks. Now, my dear Whittacombe, what's your trouble? Well... I decided this year to have a little Christmas party at my townhouse. I'm quite comfortably off, as you know, and it occurred to me that I have several relatives and friends who are not as well off. I'm having a party for them tonight, Holmes, and I hope you'd attend it, disguised as uh, Santa Claus. My dear fellow, I've adopted many disguises in my time, but Father Christmas has never been one of them. Why do you want me to attend your party in disguise in any case? You ashamed of your friendship with a a private detective, or um, do you consider my features more acceptable when buried beneath the depths of a snowy beard? Oh, my dear Holmes, do take me seriously. I'm not joking, I assure you. Of course not, of course not. You uh, you want me to attend your party in disguise. Why? I'm giving some very valuable presents, uh, diamond and onyx cufflinks, uh, Mm -hmm. platinum and ruby earrings, and and such like, and I've wrapped each of the presents in banknotes. Dear me. Uh, Where are these presents now? In a sack. In charge of my butler. I was going to dress up as Santa Claus and give him out myself. Until I got the warning letter. That's why I've come to you. 
Warning letter, eh? Yes. I received it by this evening's post. Listen to this. <clears throat> My dear Lord Whittacombe, your generosity with Christmas presents borders on ostentation. We do not approve. Neither we receive £5,000 in sovereigns at post-restaurant box 379 by 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, or I'm afraid your Christmas party will be conspicuous by its absence of presents. Let me see that note, Whittacombe, will you? Yes, here you are. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Plain paper, torn from a penny notebook. The writing is obviously disguised, isn't it? By George, yes. Whittacombe, I accept the case. I'll come with you to your party at once, and furthermore, I shall follow your suggestion regarding a disguise. Dressed as Santa Claus, I shall be less likely to attract suspicion. I'm delighted, Holmes. But uh, what made you decide so suddenly? This writing, my dear fellow, this writing. Oh, it's uh, in a false hand. I know that characteristic M in my dear Whittacombe. I've seen it too often at the beginning of a signature. Moriarty. Moriarty? Who's he? Oh, one of the cleverest and most unscrupulous criminals in England. Whittacombe, there's no time to be lost. It's, let me see now, 6.30. Half an hour beyond the deadline given you in this letter. We must go to your house at once. This is as far as the cab can take us, Doctor. Oh, here you are, cabby. Here's five shillings for you and a, and a Merry Christmas. Oh, bless you, gentlemen, and a Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> uh, you said you wanted to get into the house through the back way so that you could surprise the children. Yes, I thought well, I'd I to come down the kitchen chimney. Oh, you can get to the back of the house by going up the alley here. I'll go in the front door. Splendid, splendid, Mrs. Hudson. Which is the house? Number 28. It's the third one down the alley, Doctor. I'll have the back window open in no time, and you can slip in without any of the bairns seeing you. Very well. A gloomy little street, I must say. Well, where's the music coming from? Oh, it's from that temple across the street, Doctor. The Disciples of the Octagonal Square, they call themselves. What on earth do you suppose that means? Oh, some newfangled cult. Heathens, most likely. Oh, hello, hello. I'm not the only Santa Claus abroad tonight. Look at that fellow across the street over there. Oh, dressed just like yourself, Doctor, and carrying a sack, too. Oh, he, he's running up the steps to the temple. Thanks, Scott. He, he slipped on the ice. Oh, I wonder what his hurry was. Here, here, my man. Oh, oh, oh Let be me careful help you up, now, sir. Doctor. Don't trip for yourself. Here you are, sir. Now, give me a hand. Uh, thank you, sir. Sally uh, of me, what's in it? Oh, we Santa Claus have to help each other, you know. Up you come. That's it. Woo! Oh, oh, gracious oh Doctor, I told you to be careful. Oh. Now you've fallen too. Oh, it's this confounded red coat
This is my house, Holmes, number 39. 39 Bronson Square, eh? And dear old Watson is just around the corner in Lexington Gardens and hasn't any idea that I've left Baker Street. Yes, uh, here you are, Caddy. Uh, thank you, sir. A uh, Merry Christmas, sir. Uh-huh. Isn't that carol singers? Yes, we'll probably have our fill of them before this evening's over. Good evening, my lord. Have the, have the guests arrived, Hargreed? Most of them, sir. They're in the library. You brought another Santa Claus with you, I see, my lord. Another Santa Claus? What do you mean? The gentleman arrived three quarters of an hour ago, sir, dressed as Santa Claus. I took him to your study, my lord, and showed him the sack of presents. Confound it! It's not here before us. Where's this study? This way. I hope I didn't do wrong, my lord. You told me that a gentleman dressed as Santa Claus would be coming here. Dear me. The gentleman appears to have gone. Yes, and the sack containing the presents with him. But he can't have left the house, my lord. I've been watching the front door. Yes, and while you were doing that, he slipped out through the window here. The catch is undone. Hargrave, describe this man. I can't tell you much about his appearance, I'm afraid, sir. He was dressed as Santa Claus, just like yourself. But I did notice one thing about him, sir. Oh, what was that? He lisped, sir. It was quite pronounced. Of course. Lou the Lisper. Who on earth is Lou the Lisper? One of Moriarty's most trusted accomplices. Fortunately, though, I've had news of him lately through my underworld grapevine. You, uh, you know where he lives? He's reputed to have some uh, connections with a new cult that calls themselves the Disciples of the Octagonal Square. Their headquarters are just around the corner from here. Let, let's go there at once. Of course, and Hargrave. Yes, sir. Get a message to Scotland Yard as fast as you can. Ask for Inspector Lestrade and tell him to join me at the Temple of the Octagonal Square in Lexington Gardens as soon as possible. Oh, the children are awful excited, Doctor. I told them you just came down the chimney. I'll slip the beard on and then I'll go into them. Well, Will I announce you, Doctor? Yes, yes, please, Mrs. Hudson. All right, sir. Now, children, quiet. Santa Claus is coming to see you, and he's brought you all presents. Oh, hello, hello, children. Hello, Santa Claus. My name's Elsie. Did you bring me a present? Oh, I, I did, Elsie. I look in my sack in a minute, and uh, what's your name, young man? Herbert, they call me Bertie. Did you come down the chimney? Yes, Bertie. I bet you had a time doing it. You're so fat. Oh, don't be rude, Bertie, or Santa Claus won't give you your present. And what's your name, little man? Lionel. I've got a cold. Yes, you have. Uh, well, children, gather around me, and I'll see what presents I got for you. Uh, Let me say, uh, The uh, first present is for. Oh, I'll be right. It says for Her Grace, the Dowager Duchess of Beulah. Oh, do you suppose Mr. Holmes has been playing a practical joke on you, Doctor? Oh, I suppose so. Well, I can't see the point myself. If he did say that he'd added a few trinkets of his own. I want my present. Then supposing you take this, Elsa. Oh, thank you. And this one is marked for the Reverend Arthur Carter. Okay. See what Holmes is up to. Uh, uh, here you are, Bertie. True thing. And this is for you, Lionel, because you've been a, a good little boy. This is a very big, is it? I wanted the dog. Oh, I wanted the dog because we... Well, I'll bring you a dog next year, Lionel. Oh, Doctor Watson, 
Uh, yes, yes. Oh, look at the wrapping on these presents, Doctor. Rather twenty-pound notes. Cut. Oh, oh. Ooh, look what I got. Now, let me see. I uh, cufflinks, oh, diamonds, and onyx ones, unless I'm very much mistaken. I got pretty earrings. Look how they sparkle. Let me see, Elsie. Oh, good gracious! I swear that these what are platinum and rubies. What in thunder's going on? I want my earrings back. Give me back mine too. Well, 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 well here, here you are, here Doctor you are. Doctor Watson, what do you suppose has happened? I don't know, Mrs. Hudson. Perhaps my toys are still at the bottom of the sack. I can't understand it. I wish Holmes were here instead of dozing in front of our fire in Baker Street. <laughs> Where are you, Holmes? Here by the bed. This is the only room in the temple that gives any signs of having been lived in. I think our bird has been here, but I'm afraid he's flown. If Inspector Lestrade will get here, strike a match, will you, Whittacombe? Right. Hmm. Here's a candle on the table. Oh, just as I feared. Look on the bed. A red coat and a beard. Yes, Lou the Lisper has discarded his disguise and gone, and with him, I'm afraid, your valuable presence. No, wait a minute. Here's a sack lying on the floor. Oh, no, this isn't mine. Look what's in it. A toy dog. Large box of chocolates. Little girl's dog. What in thunder? Well, this is Watson's sack. But how on earth could Lou the Lisper have got hold of it? Somewhere, somehow, he and Watson must have made an accidental change. And Lou the Lisper is no doubt trying to track Watson down at this very moment. He must work fast, William. Or my friend's life and those of Mrs. Hudson and her relatives won't be worth a tinker's damn. <laughs> Oh, now, Doctor, you can't break off your story there. Oh, yes, I can, my boy. Before I go on, I thought we'd have a glass port just to uh, freshen us up. Oh, well, that's that's something different. Of course. Instead of talking about port, as I sometimes do, it'll be nice to drink some for a change. There you are, my boy, and a, and a Merry Christmas to you. The same to you. And now, what happened next, Doctor. We left you at the children's Christmas party and Sherlock Holmes and Lord Whittacombe around the corner at the Temple of the Octagonal Square. Yes, Mr. Bartell, although at the time, of course, I had no idea what was going on. There I was, cheerfully handing out gifts worth, well, if not a king's, at least a baronet's ransom. While outside the Temple of the Octagonal Square, Holmes and Lord Whittacombe were talking to Inspector Estrade of Cotton Yard. In a nutshell, yeah, it seems to me, Lord Whittacombe, you'd have been wiser to get in touch with Scotland Yard when you first got the warning note. We could have nabbed him when he came to your house and pinched the sack of presents. Mr. Artis, no time for post-mortems. We'd better reach Lou the Lisper before he finds Dr. Watson. Do you suppose he can do that, Holmes? It wouldn't be difficult. Lou the Lisper is nearly as clever as his master, Professor Moriarty. The chances are that you were followed when you came to Baker Street tonight, Whittacombe, and it's equally likely that Watson and Mrs. Hudson were followed as they left it. Mariotti seldom leaves anything to chance. Well, where did Dr. Watson go tonight? 28 Lexington Gardens. It's just around the corner from here. Well, then let's go there at once. Fight not quarry away. No, 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 Lestrade. We must use a little subtlety. Now, Lou the Lisper wishes to recover that sack of presents from Watson. How would he invade the party with the least possible trouble? By, uh, by dressing up as Santa Claus again? No, no, I think he's overplayed that role for one evening. Well, then how would he try to get in, Mr. Holmes? Oh, come now, Lestrade. What group of people can enter any house on Christmas Eve without invitation and without creating suspicion? You can, Exactly, my dear fellow. I shouldn't be at all surprised if at this very moment Lou the Lisper and some of his gang are singing carols outside 28 Lexington Gardens. Well, then what are we going to do? Former rival choral society. How many of your men did you bring with you? Three. 
Sergeant and two constables. Wearing greatcoats? <laughs> yes, Mr. But why? Good. They can hide their helmets and pretend to be singers. Come on. Let's go over there, and while we're walking, we'll rehearse our carols. We must appear reasonably convincing. Sanjare, Lestrade, Sanjare. <laughs> Christmas at the top of my voice, you bring out your truncheons and get Luba Lisper and his gang out of there as quickly as possible. Don't arrest them until you get them outside again, Mr. Ard. I don't want to fight the children. Watch right on, Mr. Holmes. We're ready. Just give us the word and we'll go in and get them. something to warm you all up. That won't be necessary, Dr. Watson. See to the door, Sammy. Now all of you, stay right where you are. Who are you? What do you think you're up to? Please don't be difficult, Doctor. All I want is the jewels out of my sack that you stole from me tonight. If you try and stop me, I shall have to hurt you. (laughs) Why do you talk so funny? You got a cold like me? Shut up. Now, Doctor, where are the jewels? Oh, curse it. There are some more carol singers outside. Why don't you go away, Lou? No, better let them come in. If we don't, they might get suspicious. All right, Lou. Where's you know what you're up to? Now, no tricks, Doctor. If you try and give an alarm, I shall have to get rough with you. I don't mind about that, but just remember that there are children present. Are you, Manny? Come on here before you, eh? Uh, What you say? We all join a little carol for the nippers, eh? Well, all right. What do you want to sing? Eh, better. Up the old angels sing, eh? All right, all right. Uh, come on, men. Let's sing. Merry Christmas! Doctor Watson, what's happening? We're all hitting each other with junctions. Here you can't do that. The 
Carl, go your way. They're dragging each other out. Hey, hey, come back here. Oh, terrible. Holmes. Holmes, what in thunder's going on? I'll explain it to you later, old chap. Lestrade. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Uh, take them to Scotland Yard and prefer charges. I'll be over in a little while and give evidence. Right you are, sir. <laughs> too bad we didn't catch Professor Moriarty, too. Well, at least we have some of his cohorts. I'll see you later, Lestrade. I wish I knew what was going on here. Is Moriarty mixed up in this business? Yes, Watson. I'll tell you all about it as soon as I've straightened this thing out. Now, Whittacombe. Yes, Holmes. The 20-pound notes that you used as wrapping for your gifts seem to have been scattered all over the house. Uh, do you want me to recover them, too? No. From what you've told me of the children, I think their parents could use the money much more profitably oh. than my relatives. In any case, I can replace it. A very generous Christmas gift. Well, children, did you enjoy the uh, little game we staged for you? It was enough. But yes, I nearly died laughing when they started hitting each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, children. And now I uh, I want you to show me the presents you received. I got these pretty earrings. Oh, they were a part of the game, too. A nice little girl like you doesn't want silly earrings, Elsie. Here's a beautiful doll for you. Cool. Her eyes open and everything. And what did you get, my little man? These. Oh, cufflinks. Good gracious. Who wants cufflinks when he can have a, a clockwork train? You want to exchange? Pray, Lord, love a duck, yes. I wanted the dog. There's one for you, Lana. Nice, nice woolly dog. Oh, good. And here's a Lovely. nice... Here you are, Charlie. Here's a nice big box of chocolates, too. Get all shattered. Oh, <laughs> love me. What a night. Oh. I ain't had as much fun since Granny got her fingers stuck in a plug hole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still don't understand what's going on, Holmes, but I, I must say this has all the earmarks of... It's been a happy Christmas. <laughs> yes, oh, oh, oh. Mrs. Hudson. Hi, Mr. Holmes. Uh, how's, the, um, how's the turkey coming along? Oh, it'll be ready in a few minutes, Mr. Holmes. Splendid. <laughs> and while we're waiting, perhaps the children will oblige with something we haven't heard so far. Yes, Mrs. I know what you mean. A Christmas carol that really sounds convincing. How about it, children? All right, sir. Come on, Elsie. Come on, Lionel. Doctor, that was really a twelfth a swell story. On a Christmas Eve like this, do you ever wish you were back in Baker Street celebrating Christmas there? At times, yes, but actually, Mr. Bartell, I'm I'm very happy right here in my little home. There on the table is a beautiful little Christmas tree. There's a fine fire in my fireplace. My two dogs, Monty and Willie, are, are sleeping peacefully at my feet. And best of it all, I've got the love of every child in the in the neighborhood. Yes, I got a great deal this Christmas Eve. Lots to be thankful for. And what with the troubles of the world on their way to being settled, it looks as if this is the brightest Christmas that, that I've ever had. Well, that's how I feel about it, too, Doctor. I hope that all our friends listening in are just as happy this Christmas Eve as we are. And speaking not only for myself, but I know for all of us and for the Petri family, too, we wish every one of you a happy Christmas from the bottom of our hearts. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Well, Dr. Watson, next Monday is New Year's Eve. What story do you plan to tell us? One that I think you'll find extremely appropriate, Mr. Bartell. It takes place in a Scottish castle near Edinburgh on a New Year's Eve in 1900. 
and concerns a pair of lovers, an elderly baronet, and a, a strange iron box that proved to be more than worth its weight in gold. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Blue Carbuncle. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. For a solid hour of exciting mystery dramas, listen every Monday on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane, followed immediately by Sherlock Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for My Favorite Husband next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Lucille Ball to star as Liz Cougat, who, when she visits her mother, gets a very big surprise. We present My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. the story of Mr. and Mrs. Kuga, the record of a happy marriage. Two people who live together and like it. The comfortable front bedroom of the comfortable suburban home of the Kugats doesn't look very comfortable this morning. Articles of clothing are strewn about the floor and across the bed. George hurriedly plows through the debris getting dressed while Liz tries to cram all of their things into three suitcases. Liz, dear, what's all this stuff you're packing? We're only spending the weekend at your mother's, not the whole summer. Well, I'm only taking the bare necessities. Slacks, sunsuit, a few dresses, shoes, cosmetics, hose, undies. Hmm, well, what have you packed for me? Your toothbrush and trunks. <laughs> Is that all? I want you to get a good tan. Pack some clothes for me, scatterbrain. I wish you were driving out to mother's with me, George. No, it's impossible, darling. Can't miss my board meeting. I wonder what the surprise can be that Mother's been telling us about. I'm afraid to guess. Her last surprise was the wrestler she was sponsoring. Remember him? Mm -hmm. He called himself the Hawk. Oh, what a wrestler. Yeah, in his first match, the Hawk flew clear out of the ring. Well, if she has another wrestler, I'll just throw him out of the house. <laughs> Woody? Evidently, you've never heard of gorgeous George. You are gorgeous, George. Finish your packing. <laughs> Where's my new bathing suit? I can't find it. Your new bathing suit? Well, maybe a moth had a spare second and ate it. Here it is, and it isn't that skimpy. It's shameful. You're too prudish. You're too nudish. <laughs> you should see Alice Sturm's bathing suit. She got arrested at the beach. Hmm. Must be pretty bad. Oh, it was. But they couldn't prosecute. Why not? No evidence. <laughs> hmm. 
Which nightgown should I take, my canary yellow or my parrot green? Mm, what about your goose chartreuse? <laughs> well, got to run now, honey. See you tonight. Drive carefully. George Cougar, don't you criticize my driving. I'm a good driver. Sure, honey. You've never driven up a telephone pole. Of course not. Anyway, not to the top. Ha ha, very funny. I read in a magazine the more accidents were caused by men than by women. Hmm? When did you read that? The other day while I was driving downtown. <laughs> life, dear. I found there's nothing better than fresh milk and clean soil. Well, it's certainly done a lot for you. <laughs> yes. Makes a wonderful mud pack. Uh, uh, where's George? Well, he had to attend a board of directors meeting. He'll be up later. Oh, they're having him during the day now. That's nice. Your father always had to go to the board meetings at night. At night? Yes, poor dear. Tell me, are they still holding them at the Whoopie Club? <laughs> no, Mother. Now the bubble dancer comes to the bank. Oh. <laughs> Mom, what's this big surprise of yours? I've been wondering about it all the way up here. Oh, well, see if you can guess. Well, some of the things you do, Mother, I'm almost afraid to guess. Oh. Let's see now. Pole vaulting? No. Motorcycle hill climbing? No, 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 no. Sky riding. Oh, no. You're way off. Well, I'll have to think of something a little more sensible. But this is very sensible. Uh, Chickasaw Indian tap dancing. Oh, Liz, really? I... A Chickasaw Indian tap dancing. Oh, I wonder if they teach that at Arthur Murray. Now, we're not talking about Arthur Murray. <laughs> What's your surprise? Well, uh, you, you'd better sit down. I don't need to sit down. What is it? I'm going to get married. Well... <laughs> I see you decided to sit down. I always do when my knees buckle. You, you seem so surprised, dear. I, I suppose you thought that I, I was too old to get a husband. I thought no such thing. You're very beautiful. I do have a few wrinkles, though. Of course, just on the outside. That's right, Mother. <laughs> and they're just happy little crow's feet. Oh, oh! I know you're going to love your new father, Liz. <laughs> tell me all about him. Who is he? Where'd you meet him? What's he like? Well, his name is Daniel Carson, and I met him in Houston. Oh, he's a real Texan, Liz. He's just like Gary Cooper. Not quite that tall, of course, and, and, and a little older, and, and he wears bifocals. Oh, but he's just like Gary Cooper. Well, they're, they're both men. <laughs> well, he sounds grand, darling. How'd you meet him? I, I was walking past the theater, and as he rushed up to buy his ticket, he knocked me down. Uh, he was in quite a hurry. It was a Randolph Scott picture. He really did sweep you off your feet. Skinned both my elbows. <laughs> he apologized, and he asked me to see the picture with him. But, of course... Uh, Young girl couldn't accept an invitation from a man she, she didn't know. <laughs> of course not. Uh, but I'm not a young girl, so I accept it. <laughs> Mother, hmm? do you suppose this man could be after your money? Not that you aren't beautiful. Oh, no, 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 dear. He's quite wealthy himself. He owns several oil fields. Oh, he has a huge ranch, factories, and... Oh, dear. What's wrong, Mother? You don't suppose I'm after his money, do you? 
<laughs> See now, you were in Houston last April. Have you been engaged all this time without telling us? Oh, no, no, dear. Dan and I have been corresponding, and, and it just happened. He asked me in his last letter. What did he say? Dan isn't a man of many words, dear. He... Well, here's his letter. You read it. <clears throat> My dear Louise. Howdy. <laughs> Love, Dan. <laughs> P.S. Will you marry me? Oh, I, I've read it over and over again. I almost know it by heart. <laughs> oh, you know, he, he's coming in on the five o'clock plane, Liz. He's, I've made all the arrangements for the church. Now, just a minute, Mother. Before you go any further, I think we'd better have a little talk. A talk? Well, what about, dear? Well, Mother, you're getting married, and I think there are a few things that you should know. Oh, Liz, dear, <laughs> Don't you remember ten years ago when you were going to get married? Didn't I take you into the parlor for a little talk? Yes. Well, I haven't forgotten any of the things you told me. <laughs> oh, dear, I, I thought little Susan Palmer could be the flower girl, and, and maybe George could be the best man. Oh, <laughs> Why, Liz, dear, what's wrong? I'm just so happy for you. Well, then, then why are you crying? Well, you cried when I married George. Well, that was different, dear. Oh, mother. My little mother. Oh, Liz. <laughs> Liz, darling, please don't cry. Oh, mother, I can't help it. You'll understand someday when you have one of your own. <laughs> <laughs> Liz! In here, George! Oh, hello, honey. Kiss, kiss, come on, give me a kiss. Kiss, kiss, kiss. I want a kiss. Give me a kiss. What's the matter? I never board a train when it's moving. Well, it's standing in the station now, ready for refiring. <laughs> Nuts. Hmm. Okay, conductor? Mm-hmm. Steam's way up. Careful you don't burst your boiler. When there's any danger, the whistle blows. Kiss me again. Watch out, George. Uh, can you carry your bags, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> oh, George, wait till I tell you about the about mother's secret. Yeah, what is it? I can't tell you. It's a secret. Liz. George, a secret's only a secret if it's kept a secret. You know about the whispering grass. The grass told it to the trees, and the, the trees told it to the breeze. You understand, George? Yes, very clear. Your mother's been out in the grass whispering to trees. <laughs> Just forget about it, darling. You'll find out. Better get dressed for dinner. Won't tell me, huh? Uh-uh. All right. You have your secrets. I have mine. <laughs> I just thought of something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you laughing about? Nothing, but if you're going crazy, I want to go with you. <laughs> I'm not going crazy, Liz. I was just thinking about the time I took Myra Ponsonby on the hayride. <laughs> You've always wanted to hear what happened. <laughs> you're not going to get me to tell you Mother's secret that way. No, of course not. Forget it, dear. You think you're pretty sly. 
Who cares what happened when you went on the hayride with Myra? What could happen on a hayride? <laughs> You're just trying to arouse my curiosity, but it won't work. I've gone on hayrides, lots of hayrides. They were all in the spirit of good fun. We'd go down some dark, lonely country road, stop the wagon. Some of the couples would go blackberry picking. We'd just sit there in the hay and... George Cougar, what happened on that hayride? It's a secret, remember? The grass? The heck with the grass. What about the hay? Well, you tell me your secret, and I'll tell you my secret. All right, Mother's getting married. Now, what... George, what happened? I bit the stem off my pipe. Your mother's what? Getting married. Now, what happened on the hayride? Oh, Jimmy Paterno dropped his cigar, and we had a weenie bake instead. <laughs> now, Liz, now, now, what's this business about your mother getting married? We're going to meet her fiancé tonight. Mother met him in April. They've been corresponding, and in his last letter, he proposed. Hmm. Where'd your mother meet him? In Houston, in front of a theater. You mean he picked her up? He knocked her down first. <laughs> now hurry and get dressed, George. We want to look nice when we meet him. All right, but I wish your mother had consulted me first. I might have refused his proposal. I should hope so. You're already married. <laughs> Mother, sit down and relax. Oh, oh, I, I can't, Liz. Dan will be here any minute. <laughs> now, you've got to calm down, Mrs. Elliott. Yes. I remember how nervous I was when Liz and I got married, but I had a simple formula for overcoming it. Oh, well, what was it? He fainted. <laughs> I didn't faint. I just relaxed. All of a sudden. Oh, oh I, I'm so nervous. I, I haven't been this upset since the day my scales were broken, and I thought I'd gain 200 pounds. <laughs> There's your man, Mrs. Elliott. Oh, 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 now, 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 don't all of you stare at me. <laughs> I'll let him in. Hello, ma'am. Uh, hello, Dan. Uh, will you come in? Reckon I will. <laughs> uh, are you embarrassed, Dan? Nope. Well, reckon I'll be going now. Dan, you, you just arrived. You well, know. just don't know what to say, Louise. I ain't a man of many words. Had me a long-winded speech wrote down on the back of a cigarette paper. Forgotten smoking. Well. Yeah. <clears throat> Mother. Oh, Liz, dear, I'm sorry. Well, I guess we kind of forgot our manners, Louise, standing here chattering like a couple of blue jays. Yes. Oh, Dan, this is my daughter, Elizabeth. Hello, Mr. Carson. Hmm, even prettier than the picture your mama sent me. Mother sent you my picture? Yep, laying on a blanket, taking your bottle. <laughs> well, I've changed quite a bit since then. Yeah. You're a lot longer now. <laughs> Got a little more hair, too. Well, when I was a baby, I used to wear my hair very close to my head, under the skin. I'm uh, George Cougat, Liz's husband. How do you do, Mr. Carson? Well, hiya, George. Hey, I like the way you shake hands real tight, like you mean it. Oh, uh, you, you have quite a grip yourself. Yeah, hate wishy-washy shake. Like to feel a friendship there. Ain't never forgot Herb Jackson, the friendliest feller I ever met. 
broke seven bones in my hand. <laughs> I'll be having dinner in a moment, Dan. Uh, would you care to go upstairs and wash? No. Took care of it before I left Houston. <laughs> well, I'd better wash. I've never been to Houston. Uh, I got a little surprise for you, Louise. Oh, a surprise, Dan. Well, what is it? Oh, it's coming later. I guess I'm ready for Chuck now. Chuck, Mr. Carson? Yeah, that's what we call dinner in Texas, Lizzie. What about late at night when you go down to the icebox and sneak a snack? What do you call that? Snuff. Enjoy your dinner, Mr. Carson? Oh, I reckon it did, George. Mighty fine grub. Grub? What's grub? Chuck. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm waiting for that surprise, Dan. Well, it ought to be here in a little while, Louise. Mr. Carson, uh, I understand you have some oil property in Texas. Yeah, yeah. It was originally my granddaddy's. He got it from some Indians. Swapped them for it. Swapped them for oil property? What'd he give them? Colored beads, bits of cloth, fire water? No. $650,000. (laughs) Mr. Carson, uh, I understand along with your oil properties, you have quite a ranch, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got me a nice big ranch. Ain't it, Louise? It's really tremendous. What do you call your ranch, Mr. Carson? Dallas. (laughs) Dallas. <laughs> what about my surprise, Dad? Well, it ought to be here any minute, Louis. Let's see. Well, this is sure going to be a fine wedding. A pretty bride. <laughs> and you'll be a rather handsome groom yourself, Dan. <laughs> well, I went to a lot of trouble for the ceremony. Spent all day yesterday at the chiropractor's having my legs straightened out. <laughs> <laughs> you should have kept your pants on. They're still bow-legged. <laughs> Tell me, uh, do you have a horse, Mr. Carson? Oh, now there's something that I like to talk about. You bet I got me a horse. His name is Shotgun. Shotgun? Do you feed him or load him? (laughs) Oh, he's a good old horse. Had him for 18 years. Showing his age a little. Graying around the tail. (laughs) Oh, now that's nice. I think a gray tail makes a horse look distinguished. As I always say, an old horse is just as good as a new horse. I've never heard you say that, George. Well, you've never been around while I was talking to an old horse. Uh. <laughs> Why don't we all go out on the porch? Oh, I reckon that's your surprise now, Louise. Excuse me. Oh, what do you suppose that silly boy's gotten me? Mother, you're holding that third finger out too conspicuously. Well, well, uh, here's your surprise, Louise. Come on in, Slim. Greetings from Texas, everybody. Gee, ho. Slim's more saddle buddy, Louise. He's going to be our best man. Oh? Dan, you old horn-swoggle son of a rattlesnake. Slim, you old saddle-sore mule buster. You old leather-eating coyote. You old thieving noose dodger. You old horn-toad. You old siffy cat. You old prairie dog. You old... You... <laughs> Dan, uh, he's going to be our best man? Yeah, some surprise, huh, Lou? Uh, Slim, this year is Louie. So that's her. Well, doggone. Twang my banjo, bust my bridges, doggone. Gull darn, ding dong darn, Dan. Slim says he likes your figure, Lou. 
<laughs> oh, mothers always had nice galderns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's a little galdern, some I brung you, Miss Lou. For when you and old Ding Dong Dan set up galdern housekeeping, dog gone. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, oh, oh, towels. Uh, how nice. Aren't they, Liz? Oh, yes. Look, George. A set. Hers and hisn. <laughs> I'll be right back, Liz. I think we're going to need some smelling salts. I heard that. If you don't like my vapor, just open some windows. Doggone, Dan. Who's the strawberry rose? Oh, this is my daughter, Liz. God darn it, she's pretty. A ding-dong redhead, too. Makes me want to kick off my boots and jump smack dab barefoot into a doggone tub of sow belly. Bust my britches. Bust my britches. Bend over. <laughs> doggone, Dan, I just can't wait no longer. I've got a doggone surprise for you outside. Music for your wedding. Music, Dan? <laughs> just a minute. Oh, I mean, that's a doggone. Oh, Slim, you brought the sons of the singing sagebrush. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take that sunshine away. Whoa! <laughs> Dan, what did Slim say about music for our wedding? Oh, I know they ain't the best, Miss Lou, but Spade Cooley weren't available. Oh, there ain't no finer music in the sons of the singing sage, bruh. Sing some of that there wedding music firm, sons. I'm ahead for the last roundup. <laughs> oh, horse. Make up your mind. Dan, son. Mr. Carson. Have you ever thought that Mrs. Elliot may have other plans for the music at her wedding? Uh, Lou? Why, Lou is loco about the sons, ain't you, Lou? Well, then, uh, they were all right when we went to the barn dance in San Antone, but I, I had planned on other music for the wedding, and I, I more or less thought that George could be the best man. Oh, I'm being the best man. I, who's George? I'm George. Now, look at here, George. Shoot him, Slim. <laughs> <laughs> George is going to be the best man, aren't you, George? I say I'm going to be the best man. What do you say, George? Well, Liz, I think Slim really has his heart set on it. Is this going to be a wedding, or is this going to be a wedding? That's a very good question. Well, let me hear some more of that wedding music, son. Oh, promise me that someday you and I will take our love together till some time. Son! Oh, shut up! Shoot him, Slim! Shotgun sure would love this. George, where are those smelling salts? How's your mother, dear? Doctor says she'll be all right. All she needs is quiet. Fine. I got a room in town for the surging sons of the screaming sage. Did they mind leaving? Yes, I think they were a little hurt. As they walked away, they were singing something called, I don't think they like us here and I wish we were back in Texas blues. 
poor mother. The way she tried to smile when Slim brought in that box of dirt so their marriage could be held on Texas soil. <laughs> I can see the write-up of the wedding in the paper. To the soft strains of Beat My Desert Doggy Ate to the Bar, <laughs> Louise Elliott and Daniel Carson were married. On the altar, campfires blazed brightly. And the highlight of the affair was when the bride threw her bouquet of cactus and pinned three flower girls to the parson. I won't let your mother go through with it, Liz. Well, Mother confided in me, George. She doesn't want to go through with it. She doesn't? No, but unless Mr. Carson leaves, she'll have to marry him. Oh, fine. Well, what could possibly make Mr. Car Carson leave? Who is it? It's me. It's Dad. Well, speak of the Carson. Hello, Liz. George. Mr. Carson, you look so sad. Well, I can't help it, Lizzie. It's a terrible thing that's happened. Terrible thing. Oh, Mother's going to be all right, Mr. Carson. Don't worry. It ain't your mother. Shotgun's down with a hoof and mouth disease. Shotgun? You're more worried about your horse than Mrs. Elliot? Well, I reckon I'd be pretty worried about her, too, if she had hoof and mouth disease. <laughs> Poor old shotgun. I just got a phone call about him from a Western Union office. I got to go to shotgun. You aren't leaving? Yeah, reckon so. But I'll always remember Louise. I'm gonna keep the picture I got of her. And I'd be obliged if, if she'd keep my box of dirt. <laughs> well, I'm sure she will, Mr. Carson. Well, goodbye, Liz. Bye, George. Goodbye, Mr. Carson. Uh, don't bother to shake. I'll just slam the door on my hand. <laughs> Goodbye, and I hope Shotgun gets his hoof out of his mouth. <laughs> Liz, he's gone. And Mother has a box of dirt. Uh, what'll she do with it? Oh, it'll make nice Christmas presents for people who don't have dirt. <laughs> Darling, he's gone, but... Let's not make light of it. He was a nice old guy. Yeah. You don't have anything against him, do you? Why, certainly not, George. I hope his horse will be all right. It'd be a shame if Shotgun popped off before he got back. <laughs> Liz, I can't get over the coincidence of this thing. Here we're sitting in our room, and you're saying how nice it would be if Mr. Carson left. Mm -hmm. In walks Mr. Carson. Had a phone call from Western Union, and he's leaving. Positively amazing. Well... I guess we can go break the news to your mother. She already knows about it. What? I made the phone call from her room. Liz. Want to send you... a telegram? No, dear. I can't sleep. Why not? I keep lying here waiting for you to say, George, are you asleep? <laughs> Do you love me, George? Madly. Would you swim oceans to be at my side? I'd swim oceans to be at your side. Would you climb mountains to be at my side? I'd climb mountains to be at your side. Would you get up and get me a glass of water? <laughs> no. Why not? 
I'm pooped from climbing those mountains and swimming those oceans. Please get me a glass of water, George. All right. Hmm. What smells so good? I left the top off my taboo. Hmm. I thought it was night-blooming jasmine. Why does jasmine only bloom at night? Oh, they have a very strong union. <laughs> I love you, George. I love you, too. Remember, I want cold water. That's the left faucet. Yes, Liz, the left faucet. Oh, George, I changed my mind. I'd like a Coke instead. Okay. Which faucet is the Coke? <laughs> oh, never mind. You'd have to go downstairs. I'd want you to leave me. I'll take water. Here you are, darling. Thanks. Little cuddle puddle. You're welcome, little drip. <laughs> Good night, honey. Good night, dear. <laughs> What's the matter, Liz? You got a feather leak in your pillow? <laughs> no. I was just thinking that I'm pretty clever. Today I figured out a way to make someone not marry someone. And if I wanted to, I could scheme a way to make someone marry someone. You really think you could? Mm-hmm. I did it once. You schemed a way to make someone marry someone? Yes. Who? Good night, George. My Favorite Husband has been presented through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with another production from the Screen Guild Theater, followed by Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.